Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Welcome back to the Help, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast. I have a treat for you every month. You might not know this. The Nutrition Coaching with Nicole Inner Circle, my one-on-one coaching rock stars, and I have a group coaching call. This gives us an opportunity to get together, see one another's faces, share our struggles, our successes. And these group coaching calls typically have a theme or a topic that resonates with what some of my rock stars might need a little extra support navigating. And this past month's group coaching call was talking about the difference between true physiological hunger and emotional hunger, head hunger, mental hunger. We've all been there, right? You know you're not hungry, maybe you've just eaten, but you're munching on something anyway. What gives? So because I knew this was something that so many of my rock stars can resonate with, I invited my friend and online nutrition coach, Kelly Largay, to join our group coaching call. And Kelly was more than accommodating to jump into our conversation. And that conversation was so freaking powerful and really informative that I decided to share a sneak peek with you. Now, I'm not sharing our entire group coaching call because that's exclusive to my inner circle. So at the end of kind of our interview between Kelly and myself on these group coaching calls, we always open it up for Q&A and rock stars get to ask questions that uh, pertain to what they're struggling with specifically. And we share wins and we share successes and we just kind of troubleshoot together. But you will not be hearing that portion of our group coaching call. You will be hearing the portion of our group coaching call where Kelly and I kind of bounce back and forth asking questions about true versus emotional hunger, how you can tell the difference, and what strategies you can employ to manage those emotions, that head hunger, more effectively. So get ready to learn a lot because I know this is something you struggle with in your real life and you're getting a really great opportunity to get an inside look at what coaching could give to you. I mean, imagine if you had this kind of support in your life on a regular basis, how might that change your relationship with food and your outcomes? and I go way back. We met through Precision Nutrition, which you hear me talk about often. Um, And that was several years ago. So definitely both have a passion for nutrition. Kelly and her husband own their own gym. She is strong. You should definitely check out her Instagram stories. Um, She's always throwing massive weights around. It's so impressive and encouraging to watch. But recently, Kelly had a post on Instagram talking about non-food related ways to comfort yourself. And I saw it and I was like, oh my gosh, we need to talk about this because it's a topic that has probably come up in 
all of our coaching conversations at some point. And I think that's why Kelly's post was so relatable. So Kelly, before we dive into all of that, I want to give you the stage. Just introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Where are you geographically? Give us a little background. That was like a good introduction. And now I'm nervous. Now I feel like these people are going to be watching my stories and they think I'm strong. <laughs> you are strong. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Nicole. It's, it's good to be here. So like Nicole said, my name is Kelly Largay. Um, I am in the wonderful and cold state of Vermont. Um, and I own an online nutrition coaching business called Ace Nutrition Um, It's named after my dog. He's my best friend. And you may actually hear him at some point as I'm talking. Sorry if that happens. Um, So yeah, within my nutrition coaching business, I work with clients in a one-on-one capacity and also in small group settings, just kind of teaching people how to utilize food to look, feel, and perform their best. I think... um, the world of nutrition is like really scary right now because there's so much information out there and food is used for a lot of things that have nothing to do with like actually nourishing our bodies. So, um, which kind of led me to post the posts that Nicole was talking about. Um, and you know, within my business, I, when I started my business about five years ago, I really wanted to work with athletes. Um, I really wanted to work primarily with athletes, just teaching them how to fuel their bodies for performance. And what I've found over the years that is that the majority of people who are reaching out to me are just kind of normal people, like in their 30s, 40s, 50s. And I do have a few clients in their 60s who are just kind of looking how to relearn how to eat food and feel good about it. So I have like a wide variety of clientele. I have a few athletes who compete at the world level in their sport, but then I also have just like normal moms and dads who just kind of want to learn this stuff. So it's kind of cool to have the mixed bag like that. It keeps things very interesting. And something that's pretty cool is that um, a lot of these athletes who are competing at high levels, they have the same exact struggles with food as normal people do. So it's kind of nice to have the the mixture of, of clients and have them be able to help each other out. I remember learning that, Kelly, when we were doing our internship at Precision Nutrition, and everybody thinks athletes need to have such advanced nutrition strategies. And often it's just that they're doing the basics, but they need to do it more consistently than the average person who isn't performing and relying on fuel to, you know, reach a PR or set a goal. So I love that you have the mixed bag. I know it will definitely be relatable to this crew that's here and all the others who weren't able to join us, uh, but we'll get to watch the replay. So that you kind of already answered my first question, which is why did you write that post? Like, is it something that your clients struggle with? Do you notice that it's a really relatable topic for the mixed bag of clients that you have ranging from, you know, 30 to 60? Yeah. Um, and that post was about, um, I think the one you're talking about is the one using like not using food as a reward or, you know, to soothe emotions. And, I always generate all of my content based on what some of my current clients are struggling with and even sometimes things that I'm struggling with. So it is a recurring conversation that I have with almost all of my clients um, because I think what has happened over time is as humans, you know, we look for ways to soothe certain emotions and we get ourselves into the habit of turning to food and it can become a really vicious cycle because it soothes the emotion for 
what, like five minutes? And then we end up feeling worse. So we have new terrible emotions, which are usually like feeling fluffy and guilty and ashamed and just feeling like a failure. So yeah, I mean, it's something that I teach on a lot in my group coaching sessions. And it's something that I work with my one-on-one clients on all the time, um, athletes and just like the quote unquote normal people. Many people do struggle with that. So let's talk about, we might want to refer to it as emotional eating. It has a lot of different names, but I'm feeling a thing. And I know that food probably isn't going to make it better, but food is accessible. Food is there. Food is delicious. And maybe I have correlated food to feeling comfort or getting quick pleasure. Why is emotional eating something that we don't want to lean on? Like, why is it a negative? How does it affect? I know you help your clients reach sustainable fat loss goals as well as just improving health overall and performance. But why is it something that we want to navigate around rather than just being like, ah, I'm eating emotionally, whatever. Yeah. So typically, I mean, it can become a really bad habit. And if if you're someone who has struggled with it, I mean, you know that it's, it's a vicious cycle of, you know, you feel like you're working towards kicking the habit and then you feel that emotion again and you go right back to food. And just like any habit, it's hard to break. Um, and typically it doesn't really get rid of the original bad emotion that you're feeling, but then it also adds more bad emotions on top of that. So, um, you know, if you're consistently turning to food to soothe these emotions, you're not really soothing the emotion in the first place. And you're just exacerbating the way that you're feeling by adding more terrible emotions to it. And if you have, you know, health goals, which I'm assuming all of you here do, you may have body composition goals. It's really going to throw a wrench in your progress. If every time you're feeling stressed or sad or lonely, you're turning to food because we feel those emotions as humans quite often. Um, so it, it can just become an issue where it spirals out of control and, you know, it is a hard habit to break, but it's, it's not impossible to break it. I would agree with that. I think we talk about, you know, the habit loop and we have the trigger and then the behavior and then the reward. And so emotional eating can fall into that, but the trigger would be, I'm anxious, I'm stressed, I'm lonely, I'm bored, whatever you're feeling. The behavior is I'm going to smash this sleeve of Oreos or insert your fun food of choice. And the reward is, well, I feel better because I get that dopamine hit, but it's for five minutes. And then what happens is the, the thing, the trigger, the anxiety, the sadness, the loneliness, the boredom, it's still there. So I didn't actually do anything to fix or soothe the actual problem. I just put, we might say like a bandaid over a bullet wound and I got a really quick fix, but now I'm left wanting more. And like you said, maybe now I'm bloated. I ate beyond my energy needs. I'm not reaching my sustainable fat loss goal. I just don't feel great because of the sugar crash. There are, you know, lots of negative consequences sound severe, but lots of negative outcomes that can happen because food is always accessible. Like we live in a food abundant environment. So if every time you feel something, the solution is food, you're going to run into some trouble. So true. And it's funny that you use the example of Oreos because that was my go-to coping stress like mechanism, double stuffed Oreos. They were my jam. So, I mean, I've been there. Listen, I, I've, in my health journey, I've lost about 40 pounds and I was like, I could eat a sleeve of Oreos, no problem. So if you're someone who struggles with this, I totally get it. 
Kelly, here's the question. So in the moment, we're kind of talking as though someone knows their emotional eating, but I know from working with some of my rock stars, they they don't know. They are experiencing this thing, but it's really hard for them to differentiate between true physiological hunger. I need energy. I need food. And I'm having this emotion that isn't hunger, but I don't know how to differentiate that. So I'm just going to eat anyway. So I know this is a loaded question, but how might you help your clients identify when it's actually hunger and they need to feed themselves or when it is an emotion and maybe a non-food related strategy is going to be best? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I work with my clients often on differentiating between what I call head hunger and actual physical hunger. So your head hunger is typically, um, it's hunger that comes on really, really fast. It's like the need to just chew or munch or crunch on something. And um, it sometimes will come on like immediately after eating. So I have a lot of clients tell me like, you know, I'll eat dinner and then literally 10 minutes later, I feel like I need something sweet, but, and sometimes they even recognize that they're not hungry, but they eat it anyway. And sometimes they don't recognize that they're actually not hungry and they eat it anyway. So it's really important. Um, I mean, if you take anything from this call, slow down. Cause what we do when we're experiencing that head hunger, it's kind of like a knee jerk reaction. It's just like, okay, I need something sweet or I need something salty. And you know exactly where that food is. You head to your kitchen, you grab it and you eat it. But if you kind of go through those motions in slow motion, it causes you to think like, okay, I just ate 10 minutes ago. I, I shouldn't really be hungry right now. Or, you know, I'm just, a lot of my clients tell me like, I just need to crunch on something. That's head hunger. That's not really true physical hunger, but your true physical hunger is like your belly is grumbling. Um, maybe you haven't eaten in three or four hours and like, it's actually time to eat and your body is giving you these signals that it needs fuel. But that is the first step is really just like slowing down rather than making it a race to the kitchen and grabbing, you know, your favorite food, slow down and just ask yourself, okay, is this truly hunger or is it just hunger that's in my head? I often tell clients, Kelly, that what you just described is akin to learning a new language. Mm. If they have no idea, it sometimes feels really foreign. And like, I don't know if I'm actually hungry and I don't know if this is head hunger or true uh, physiological hunger. And I think what we have to remember is it's not a light switch kind of change. It's not going to be something that we learn overnight or a master in a week. And it's something that the more we practice, the better and more proficient we become. But like you said, the slowing down, the pausing and what we might refer to as noticing and naming like, Oh, this is that feeling. It's not actually hunger. It always happens on Wednesday after work when I've worked a 12 hour shift, like this is just me needing to get out my aggression. And that's why I get that crunchy munchy feeling. So I just kind of want to remind everyone that it isn't something that you just know, or you don't know. It's a practice. It's a skill, just like any other muscle. It takes some time to grow. Would you agree? Totally. Yeah. And it's, it's a long process. It's just like, you know, practicing your healthy habits. You make sure you're getting a certain amount of water a day. You make sure you're eating a certain amount of veggies a day. That probably, that feels really hard at first. Um, this is the same thing. It's, it's like relearning a language. Like Nicole said, you have to 
retrain your brain to go in a different direction, especially if you're someone who's been practicing this for many, many years. Um, that's what your brain is, is going to tell you that it needs when you're feeling that emotion. So you kind of have to just retrain your brain, just like you would a muscle, like Nicole said. And you know what? It takes a long time to grow muscle and it also takes a long time to retrain your brain. So it is, it's not a quick process. If we can just become more aware of it earlier, even if we're not changing the emotional eating, that's still progress. So maybe before I would be stressed or lonely or bored and eat the sleeve of Oreos and then not think about it or acknowledge what happened until after the fact, right? That's like conditioned emotional eating. I don't even think about it till it's over and I feel gross. But even if you're halfway through that sleeve and you're like, wait a second, I don't need this. This is me reacting to an emotion. Even though you're still engaging in the emotional eating, that is progress. So once again, it's not always going to be, oh, wait, I don't need the Oreos. You might have to try and fail a couple of times and find yourself in that emotional eating occasion, catch it, and then kind of work to reverse it and pivot. I think that's the hard thing is we feel like, oh gosh, I failed. But no, 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 you're still growing the muscle, right? You're still growing the skill. So let's talk about the good stuff, Kelly. I want to hear from you if, let's say a client identifies, okay, I just ate. My body isn't giving me physical symptoms that he or she needs food, but I need something like there is, I'm noticing this trigger and I don't want to emotionally eat because that behavior doesn't serve me. What are some other non-food related ways that you recommend to your clients to comfort or soothe the emotion? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, The number one thing that I have a lot of my clients do is when you're in that situation where you have recognized that you're not truly hungry, first of all, that's a huge win. Um, Just like Nicole said before, any, any small sign of progress is a huge win and you need to celebrate it. But when you find yourself in that situation, I'm a huge fan of journaling. And I have my clients just write out, how am I feeling? What am I craving? And this last one's really important. Write down, how am I going to feel after I eat that food? Because typically when we're eating out of emotion, we do not feel good after we're done. So just taking the step to write those things down and to write down how you are going to feel after you eat the food, typically you're not going to feel good. So writing that out sometimes is enough to deter you from it. And if you do have a weak moment and you end up eating the food, I highly encourage you to grab a journal and write down exactly how you're feeling. Because what will happen and what I've done with some of my clients is as we work through this, they have this written out how they felt. And oftentimes, you know, they're describing their feelings as like fluffy and like a failure and very bloated and these really negative things. So that when you find yourself in that situation again, you will eventually get to the point where before you eat the food, you can pull out that journal and say, okay, this is how I felt last time I did this. And I don't really want to feel like that again. Yeah. So kind of keeping like a food and mood journal, here's what I ate in the moment and here's how it left me feeling. And then you have the feedback that you can check back in with. Yeah. So the journaling, that's the main thing that I suggest to all of my clients, but I mean, really anything, because really what you want to do is like I said before, retrain your brain. So going for a walk, um, cleaning your bathroom, snuggling with a pet, playing fetch with your dog. Um, And sometimes, you know, if it truly is head hunger, if you go out for a 10 minute walk, oftentimes you're going to come home and you're not even going to be that hungry anymore. 
So it is, you know, just kind of retraining your brain so that when that emotion comes on and you're feeling that, you will eventually get to a point where rather than turning to food, your brain is like, oh, we need to go for a walk or, oh, we need to clean the bathroom. That's not a fun one, but I have had clients do that. (laughs) I think, I don't know if this is something that you employ, but I often still leave the choice of emotional eating on the table, but say, hey, in the future, when you're feeling this way, can we commit to trying something non-food related first? So having a dance party in your living room, calling up a loved one, going for a walk, you know, whatever. And then if after that thing, after the stress management, because you identified you were stressed or after reaching out for connection, after you identified you were lonely or after, you know, whatever you uh, identify as being the more effective strategy, try that. And then if you still want to resort to food, it's still going to be there, right? Food isn't going anywhere. But like you said, nine times out of 10, I come back feeling more soothed having actually managed what it was that was triggering the emotional eating. And I don't need the food anymore, but I think sometimes just not taking away that choice. It, I don't know. It feels a little bit more freeing. Like, oh, okay. My security blanket is still there if I need it, but I probably won't. I agree. I mean, anytime you have a choice, um, it's, it makes you feel like you have power and it's just like, you know, if you're restricting carbs or if you're restricting your favorite foods, oftentimes that will result in a binge. And this is kind of, it's sort of the same thing. You know, if you feel like that option is completely off the table, um, sometimes we rebel and we just kind of, I call it like an effort moment and you just don't really care and you eat the whole sleeve of Oreos. So yeah, I, I have used that as well. Just like leave the option on the table. And then the, the more often you make the better decision, the easier that decision is going to become. Yeah. Tough question. Is it ever okay in your opinion to just eat emotionally? And you, you kind of hinted at your answer in your last response, but what if I just, one, I know it's head hunger. Is it ever okay just to give into that? So that's a loaded question. Like that's a hard question. I kind of feel like, I mean, if you're like occasionally maybe like diving into a bowl of mac and cheese that like your aunt Sally used to make when you were a kid and you're like just getting nostalgic about, you know, childhood memories that's, I feel like that's kind of okay, but it can become a slippery slope. Um, cause you know, I think we all have those, those like recipes and meals and foods that remind us of our childhood and of a certain relative. And I feel like that's okay. But you know, when food becomes your only source of comfort or way to cope with stress, um, that's kind of when it becomes an issue. Yeah, I agree. I think there are moments where we know it's happening. And as long as we can notice and name and identify, this is an emotional eating occasion and I really didn't need this, but you know what? Grandma's mac and cheese is just mm, like, I just, I needed this moment and it's making me feel so great. But again, I think it's what's happening most of the time is obviously what our body is going to respond to. So is it a habit that I'm stuck in or is it a choice I make occasionally during those special moments? But yeah, think this is a tough one. I would encourage anyone to call it out. Like if I am eating emotionally, just, just say that maybe not out loud if you're with other people, but identify it in your brain and don't judge it as being good or bad, but recognize, Hey, here's what I'm committing to. Here's the outcome I can expect. So if I'm eating emotionally more often, 
maybe I don't lose body fat this week. I have to be okay with that. If I'm eating emotionally more often than I want to, maybe I'm not seeing my health markers improve as quickly as I want to. So I think there's always a consequence to what we choose, but it's not like this bad, evil, epic failure. If you eat emotionally, it's just something, I think what you're saying is we don't want to get in the habit of doing because habits become automatic And then it almost feels like it's outside of our control, but it isn't. We can change that behavior. Totally. Yeah. And I think another important thing is um, just to recognize that it's not going to be a linear process. You're going to have moments where um, you're going to have weak moments. And it's really important that we're seeing those quote unquote failures as learning experiences, Um, because it's really easy to kind of regress with your progress and then just throw your hands up in the air and say, oh my gosh, all that work I've done, it's all gone down the drain. It's not necessarily the case. Um, I think any time that we are feeling like we failed at something, as long as we're using it as a learning opportunity and just kind of take a mental note, like what happened? Why did this happen? And then, you know, next time make a better decision. Fail forward. These people are tired of hearing me say that, but (laughs) I'm glad that you're echoing it because it just makes me look more credible. There you go. She didn't even tell me to say that. (laughs) Cross my heart. Kelly, last two questions from me. I wasn't planning on asking you this, but you alluded to your journey earlier. And I've, I've been so inspired just knowing you and seeing bits and pieces of your story that you share on Instagram. But from what I know of you now, you have, I mean, nutrition and fitness are very integral parts of your life that you enjoy. Like I see you posting pictures of you and your husband still going out on date nights, right? Like you're not eliminating those fun foods and beverages, but you lift heavy things in the gym and you make that fun too. But I know, you know, your history hasn't always been that way. You've had a a less than healthy relationship with food in the past and make your fitness looked a little different. Tell us in your opinion, like what, What were the big rocks that you needed to change or focus on or the big habits that helped you get from where you started to where you are now? Because I mean, now you're this wonderful role model for all of your clients. And I think if anyone here was watching and didn't know your story, I don't think they ever would have guessed like where you had come from and how you learned or how you used that opportunity as a learning experience. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really easy to look at someone um, like Nicole or myself and just think, oh, they've always been good at this, but for most of us, it's not the case. Um, And, you know, for me, it was really just, I guess the thing that sort of helped me was just picking one style of eating and sticking to it because I was a a fad dieter, Um, you know, slim fast. I did Weight Watchers. I did them all and I never did them long enough to see any results that lasted. So, um, and you know, I've been overweight, I've been underweight, I've been like all different ends of the spectrum. Um, and I'm finally at a place where I feel like comfortable and I'm feeling my body well, but I think, I mean, consistency and not expecting yourself to be perfect. Um, not having that all or nothing mentality where you have to be perfect a hundred percent of the time. Um, I should probably post on Instagram about my story more often, but I do try to post like the, the date nights, like the drinks. Cause yeah, I mean, we do, we indulge sometimes and you know, we still live our lives, but it's just finding that balance. I think. 
Yeah. I think you do a really great job of that. I mean, I know a lot, like, I think we have to earn that balance or to find that balance is not just posting pictures of all the drinks because then people think, well, I can eat and drink whatever I want and get amazing muscles like Kelly. But a lot of your time and energy is spent committing to health promoting behaviors and being consistent. And that opens up a world of opportunity for you to also enjoy really amazing food and beverage and take rest days. And I think, yeah, I just love hearing that from somebody else. I think it's helpful for everybody here to hear that part of your story as well. So speaking of posting on Instagram, tell these folks where they can find you because I think more no-nonsense nutrition education on their Instagram feeds is always a great idea. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. It's just at Kelly Largay. Very simple. You can find me there. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us tonight. I truly appreciate all the insight that you shared with us. Thank you. Thank you. So what did you think? Pretty powerful stuff, right? Two online nutrition coaches giving immense value, incredible education to you through your earbuds that you can go and apply in your life right away. Friends, I have a favor to ask of you. If you learned something in today's podcast episode, if something we shared resonated with you and hit you in the feels, would you please take a minute and leave a review? Tell us what you truly think of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast. Better yet, snap a screenshot and share today's episode in your social media stories. This is the only way the podcast grows through your word of mouth. So if this is helping you in any way, benefiting your life and your relationship with food in any way, I ask that you please give us your honest feedback and spread the good, no-nonsense nutrition word. Catch you on the flip side, squad. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.